0: I've been down so long, it love like... Christian Fowler, a senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. We have a podcast together, co-hosts. It's called On the Bluff Pod. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bluff City Media Network, uh, via YouTube, you can find the full video length. And then Apple and Spotify as well. He is on X at C Fowler BCM. Christian, uh,
2: week hiatus. How was your week off? It was wonderful. I got to chill on the beach all week, so absolutely no complaints from me.
0: Okay. Good weather the entire
2: time, huh? perfect no rain 88 to 92 the whole time can't beat
0: it and you didn't come near your phone you just you completely unplugged you didn't even have an hour worth of uh, screen time a day from what you were telling me on the podcast yesterday that's always great that's beautiful Twenty-five
2: minutes a day yeah 25
0: minutes a day that's impressive that is impressive sir i gotta get away
2: from it i get away from it every chance i can i'm not a phone guy so i get away from it when i when i can
0: yeah, but I mean, some I mean, you got to go to Twitter sometimes and throw up news drops and the, retweet nice. the pod and do all that stuff. So, like, I mean, part it, of it. Yeah, yeah. My my screen time is not that low. I have to say that right now. Yeah, I told you, like, my 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 show prep is via the phone and everything else. So I have touched eight hours before. That's too high, though. That is substantially too high.
2: That's a little a little bit too much. I think probably on average I'm like a three and a half four hour is probably my average screen time a week. Okay. But I prefer 25 minutes. If I could do 25 minutes every week, I absolutely would.
0: Now, you have to plug back in because we do have Memphis football right around the corner. Um, Bethune-Cookman, September 2nd at home. And and let's start with the uh, win together. Ticket promotion. It's $60 ahead of time, and every time they win, you get a free ticket. So uh, Bethune-Cookman and Navy, you expect wins at home, and then you'd get that Boise State game. If, if they win that Boise State, you get a 2 ticket. I mean, it just keeps going on. What do you think about this ticket promotion ultimately? I, I'll say this off top. I like the effort here, and I think that this is a good thing um, considering where most of the fan base is at right this second, and the, and the fan base seems to be in that wait-and-see mode.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a creative and innovative way to try to get people re-engaged. I mean, the situation is what it is. So, I mean, what do you do? You ignore it, or, do you be pro, or are you proactive about it? And they're trying to be proactive about it, and I think that's a good thing. It's better than sitting on your hands and – just saying, well, I hope people show up when games start. No, like, give them a reason to show up. Give them an incentive to show up if it's a down year. So I, I get it. I understand it. I know some people will scream desperation. And, you know, that is what it is. Like I said, this it, it's a situation. It's where they're at. And uh, just to do something to try to be different and get people reengaged is always a good idea, especially when you can be creative with it and, and give fans a deal. And I still think the only
0: thing that fixes – the wait-and-see mode situation or the, the lack of excitement is
2: winning. It's, it's, it's winning.
0: That's all they can do to get fans back reengaged.
2: Yeah, there's no, there's no other route to go there. Like you have to win. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that people, when people start talking in the offseason about either high hype or no hype or whatever it is, whatever the state of the program is in that time, it doesn't matter. Like We can hype train all the teams we want to or we can put down all the teams that we want to. But at the end of the day, if you if you don't win games or if you do win games, it's going to dictate where the temperature of the program is. So I get it. It's cool to have off-season height. Memphis has had it before and succeeded. Uh, they've had it before and under-delivered. And, and, you know, in a year like this where it's not as high, it seems like, and, you know, I obviously don't have any numbers on this or anything, but it seems like when teams are slept on that have talent, that's typically when they have their best seasons when expectations yep. are low. So we'll we'll see how the chips fall but like my i know me personally my expectations are higher than most and there's something to be said about
0: a team being slept on because they don't feel that pressure every single time out they can just let loose and go right and Asso- i feel like absolutely. that i feel like this team has that opportunity this year if expectations are low go out and just leave it out leave it all out there there's there's nothing there's nothing you can lose you've already gone 6 and 6 3 and 5 in conference the last two years
2: yeah i agree i kind of go back to i think it was the 2018, season. That's when it was Brady White's first year. We had the huge offseason storyline of the starting quarterback and it was the David Moore and Brady White battle throughout uh spring, summer into the fall camp, I think when Norvell finally announced it. And there was a lot of hype around the team that year. And they weren't bad, but they finished eight and four, I believe, that year. I think that's also the year they lost. Mm-hmm. Fall- in the bowl game to Wake Forest yeah. in the Birmingham Bowl, if, I, if, I, if I'm they not They allowed mistaken. teams so,
0: that year to trickle back in games consistently because they, they got to the AAC championship against UCF, got to a big lead in the first half and sort of let that wither And they came back and lost.
2: Yeah, and, and, and so that is just kind of a, a flip side example of this year. The hype was really high. They had a lot of skill position players coming back. They had a formerly very highly recruited quarterback in Brady White coming over from ASU. And it kind of went the other way. It was a bit of a roller coaster of a season, and, and years like this, it can it can fall either way. Like they could absolutely go stink it up, and it could be what everyone is expecting. And then you have all those people saying, "I told you so," or it could go exactly the other direction. And we're looking up in you know October, November, saying, "Wow, this team is legitimately very, very good," and we slept on them. So it you kind of have to let it shake out. But I know, like I said, my expectations are higher just because of. Of what I see
0: on paper, and believe it or not, AAC season predictions according to ESPN analytics, the expectations are very high for Memphis. 10 and, two. Ten and two, seven and one in conference. Only lost to SMU. They have SMU at the top of the conference. I mean, like, is I wouldn't necessarily predict that um, on paper right this second, but I am. I would not be surprised if that that's how this all shakes out. I think SMU. Rhett Lashley's there. They had a. A uh, really tough year last year. I think they were seven and five. Preston Stone was a four-star recruit at quarterback. He's going to be their starter. They still have some talent over there. They they are allowed to just generally speaking. They seem to have a good NIL situation over there. They have some talent on that roster. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes SMU, Memphis, Tulane, UTSA in those top four spots.
2: Yeah, the uh, the ten and two. I mean, once again, we haven't seen anybody on the field yet, so it's a lot of it's hard know, to prediction project and. Right yeah. you, you can't you can't project those kind of things, but that, I think that is a ceiling for this team. I think that is absolutely in the range of outcomes for this team and I know a lot of people don't see it but I think it's there and if you are on the flip side of that because you know right right now this time of year we do kind of have to play both sides of the fence just from a projection standpoint if you look at the other side of that a lot of those games are very thin margins like the Boise State game is very close. Uh, the Tulane game is very close as far as percentage-wise from ESPN and FBI. So, it's it's close, and a lot of those games can go either way. Those are the games in the last several years that Memphis hasn't pulled out those close games, fifty-fifty, yep. uh, flip a coin, and that team wins the game. And and that could be the difference this year between you know seven and five, eight and four, and ten and two or higher is going to be those swing games where it's two good teams and whoever comes out with it. So if you win those. Those swing matchups against you know Boise State and Tulane and SMU and some of those teams, then this could be a, a eerily similar season to a 2019, uh, to a 2019 season. I know the the caveat to that is there's no Houston and SMU and or no Houston, UCF and Cincinnati. But at the same time, if you're winning 10 games a year or more, you're doing something right. And that gets everybody back on board.
0: Like let, let's sure. be honest, that gets everybody back there. One thing that's been sort of downplayed, I think, throughout the off season is this schedule. As much as I think the first three games are frustrating because I don't know how much you learn, you just want to see them build confidence. Bethune, Cookman, you're not going to learn much. Arkansas State, you want them to win, but that's going to be a team that drops back and just throws it all over the yard. Then that next week, on a short week, you're going to play Navy. You want them to go 3-0 into this tough part of their schedule, but you get Boise State, Tulane, and SMU at home. You cannot beat that. You like That is exactly what you want when you see a schedule come out. Your tough teams, the tough, the tough in-conference opponents, you get to all see in the Liberty Bowl.
2: Yeah, and that's that plays out perfectly for a team that does not lose very often at home. And it's it's kind of a weird home field advantage, right? Like Memphis is not a place that consistently packs out the stadium and is like a you know, sold out every weekend type deal. But for some reason under Norvell, under Silverfield, even back, you know, dating back under Fuente, like Memphis is a really good team in the Liberty Bowl. Yep. For whatever reason, I, I mean, I don't know exactly know the reason to that. I mean, a lot of people I've talked to coaches and players about it before, and it's always, you know, we just feel comfortable here. We feel comfortable at home. That, that to me, that doesn't totally embody it because I'm sure every team feels comfortable at home. But Memphis is very good here, and, and that bodes well for them in a year where they get those three teams at home. Really, your most difficult road game is. Technically, a neutral site game against Missouri and St. Louis. I'll I'll be kind of interested to see what the turnout is for that game, just in total. But yeah, it shakes out well. You've got you know you've got the, the two best teams or the three supposedly best teams in the conference. So it's uh it's just go out there and see what happens. I mean, I'm going to keep. I said it all night on the podcast last night. I'm going to keep saying it until we see what this team has. But just go out there. Play ball and see what happens, and you know we'll pick we'll pick this conversation back up in a couple of months when we're able to see what the product looks like, and then yep. we'll really be able to get a read for how we feel and how the team or the direction the team's going in.
0: Now um, realignment spending, and I, I do think that um, a point I made yesterday is as much as we want to see value from the product on the field, I feel like the fans packing out the stadium shows value in itself as well. So, like, there's there's a lot of people out there that are that are a little disinterested based on the way the last two years have gone, but if you value where this team could potentially end up in the future in college football, packing out that damn stadium is just as important as the product on the field.
2: Yeah, I was about to say I think it's equally as important because, yes, you can win games, but if no one is watching and no one cares, then no one's going to pay attention to you as far as conference realignment goes because – you're not pulling in revenue. You're yeah. not pulling in money. You're not pulling in eyes. There's not even, you know, you, at that point you can even make an argument for there's not potential for growth, you know, of people that are staring at only dollar signs could say that. So, yes, absolutely. The atmosphere on Saturdays this year in Memphis is more important than it's ever been. Like, with this this hanging in the air and no one knowing which way it's going to go, like the atmosphere at the games, the tailgating, the fan experience overall, the, the noise during the game, like, has – as unimportant as that stuff is in reality yeah, for a football game, as far as conference realignment goes and as far as being attractive to other conferences, like that is huge. Yep. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate because I, I, think, I think the product that you put on the field should matter the most, but we're in a day and age where eyes and views and numbers and all those things drive revenue and money more than winning or anything else. Yes, winning has to be a part of it. They go hand in hand, but the engagement and the numbers and the eyes, they have to be high to be an attractive op- option to another conference.
0: Talking with Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media on X at C Fowler BCM. You made a point that I thought was very important um, to me, and I, I – I... Obviously, we've talked about the defense, where we think they're going to be. They have more talent. They're deeper than they ever have been. Matt Barnes can get more multiple, get a little more exotic with his blitz packages, everything else with all they brought in. Uh, the secondary should be good. We know about the known commodity on offense. That's Seth Hinnigan. We're worried about the offensive line. We think that if everything goes right, those weapons they have, whether it be in the backfield or out there on the edge with Toski Dove, Demir Blancomsey, we think that there's enough there. They may be a little bit thin, but we think there's enough there. Um, but on the field, a point you made to me is, in the past, this team has thrived playing complementary football. What what exactly do you mean by that when you say that? Because I feel like the last two years, I, I would agree with you that, that complementary football has not been there. If, if one unit is struggling, there hasn't been a pick-me-up from the other.
2: Yeah, if you rewind the clock pre-Silverfield era – especially during the Norvell era, especially 2018. I know I just talked about 2018 being a bit of a disappointment, but even in 2018, 2019, uh, dating back to your days, I know that was a long, long time ago. Oh, but all right, dating, all right, yeah. D- dating back to the Gabe Coon era, like <laughs> the Memphis Tigers played a brand of football that it didn't matter what the other unit was doing. And what I mean by that, it didn't matter what the offense was doing. It didn't matter what the defense was doing. It didn't matter what special teams was doing. On any given day, one of those units could win the team a football game if the other one was down. There are multiple examples I can think of where maybe the offense wasn't playing up to T. I, I, we talked about this last night, and I gave an example, um, and I think it was from the wrong season. I think it was from the 2021 season. But I, I thought back on it, like when was a game when the offense struggled because it was so hard to think of a game when the offense wasn't good, especially over that two-year stretch. And then it kind of hit me—the Cincinnati game. They didn't mm-hmm. score a lot of points in that. They struggled offensively. Really, the only big play they had the on conference offense championship.
0: That game, are you, that's the one you're referring to. Yes. Chris yes, Claybrook's when, uh, had a return to start the game. There was just yep. different things that, that, that the defense was solid that game. Offense actually did struggle.
2: I agree with you. Yeah, they struggled moving the ball. The really the only big splash play. And I, I can't—the the conference championship game and the regular season game were so similar. It felt like we watched the same game two weeks in a row. When did they hit the the shot from, uh, from Brady to DeMonte on the trick play? I uh, want to say that was a conference championship game, but like I said, those games run so close together in my memory. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, like the offense wasn't pulling in big plays, but the defense was making stop after stop after stop. Special teams was playing well, and that's what this team has to do. Like they have to be able to pick each other up Uh, Mississippi State was another example that I used during the silver.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink. Is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer
0: imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
2: Field era in 2021. I know they allowed a lot of points, but the defense made timely stops. Calvin Alston had the big punt return. So I'm not saying it's been non-existent under Ryan Silverfield because it's been there. It just hasn't been, it hasn't been consistent enough. They have to do that on a weekend and week out basis because Seth is going to have off games. This defense is going to have games where they allow big numbers and points more than likely. There's gonna be games where you have muff punts or muff kicks and you're putting you know, your defense in a bad position and those units have to step up in big moments for this team to reach their full potential and to exceed expectations for some people.
0: Yeah, um I mean what what is before we move on to bigger things in college football, um just sort of on the national scale, what's your biggest concern about this team? What is your largest concern?
2: That's tough, but, uh, man, every time we talk about this, we talk about offensive line, and I feel like people are tired of it, but it's, it's true. true. It's true. It's true. It's It's the offensive line. I think it's the reason that this team has been 6-6 six and six the last two years. I think they were good enough overall outside of the offensive line over the past couple of years to be better than a 6-6 six six team, but when you are a one-dimensional football team, especially at the college football level, if you are one-dimensional and you don't have a Heisman caliber player, You're way behind the eight ball. You have to be able to mix it up. You have to be able to confuse defenses in those situations, in big game situations, when you need points, when you need to move the ball, when your defense needs a break. You have to be multiple. You can't just drop back and throw the ball 45 times a game if you don't have a top-tier player in college football. And yep. as Seth is good. We talked about this. We know our feelings on Seth, but he's not an elite. He's not an elite quarterback. He's not, you know, a top five, top ten quarterback in the country. He's not in, you know, Heisman talks for a reason. So you have to be able to run the ball to take that pressure off him. You have him to lift he, him up, he,
0: like, like Brady yes, White was to make the plays. Brady White was lifted up in a lot yeah. of ways throughout his yeah. entire career at Memphis. Seth Hennigan needs that same treatment at some point.
2: Absolutely, they have to open holes for the running game to take some of the pressure off of. Not only Seth, but the receivers as well, because if a team knows you're just you can't run the ball, then your potential weapons are going to have no no chance to get open, so it starts up front you know I know it 's cliche when you 're talking to an offensive lineman to talk about o line all the time, but i mean we we know you're the game right, of football, though. we understand the game of football, and it all starts up front, and if they can dominate the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively this is going to be a good football
0: team. God, you sound like a football guy right now. I got to say, <laughs> you sound like a real football guy. It all
2: starts up front, baby. I hear you. It does.
0: Now, around the country, we have Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner. Speaking of 6 and 6, we talked about the Tigers being 6 and 6. He does not like the 6 and 6 model when we go to the 12 team playoff. Uh 6 conference championships, uh champi- champions I should say, and 6 at larges because Pac-12 is sort of folded, he thinks the circumstances have changed and they should switch it up. Is this going to be the top 12 teams in the country all at large?
2: I mean, it very well could be. Who controls all the chips? That's kind of what you have SEC. to look back to. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I, I think just as a college football fan, I think it, it would be more fun because it would be more reminiscent of the NCAA basketball tournament. Like you have these teams, and it probably wouldn't happen that often. Because it's a lot harder. I mean, for, that's
0: the thing: is basketball and football are so much different. So like, different. yeah, so you different. Can, like upsets. springing upsets in football is so much harder. So yeah.
2: much harder. Uh, I 100% agree. But there's always that feeling, you yeah. know, of going into a game, and it's like, okay, Alabama's the one seed, and they're playing Coastal Carolina or something like yeah. that. And it's like, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Like Alabama's probably like, but you're rooting for it. 27 point favorites, but the the uh, the option is there. I think, I think regardless, the 12-team just totally, you know, objective, unbiased, like stepping back and looking. 12-team playoff is extremely fun, however they decide to do it. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just my opinion. But I think you do have a different kind of allure if you do have non-Power 5 teams in there that have an opportunity. I mean, we saw what Cincinnati did. Like, Cincinnati was freaking legit. Like, they were legit good team. Uh, we saw, we've seen uh, UCF knock off LSU. I know that wasn't LSU's best year. It was right before the breakout in 2019 with Joe Burrow and company. But still, they dominated LSU in that game last year. We saw Tulane beat the, the Heisman winner yep. and Caleb Williams in the Cotton Bowl. Like. It's not impossible to get upsets now. More than likely, is you know, is a one seed going to get upset by a 12 team non power five? No, no. But there, those games will be sprinkled in and mixed in, and it makes for magical storylines. So
3: yep. it could
2: shake out either way. But I mean, probably with the way that college football is going, just follow the money and see who holds all the chips, and that's probably the direction it's going to go.
0: Talking with Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media on X at C Fowler. B-C-M. Now, on to the NFL. Jonathan Taylor looks like he's asking for a trade. What are your favorite landing spots for our man Jonathan Taylor if he does get traded ultimately?
2: Yeah, I, I know a lot of people have latched on to this story that an AFC scout said the Chiefs are a team to watch. They're always uh, a they, team to watch, they right? They same, always. Yeah, same thing for DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I, Okay, like I, it would make sense. Bills guess, are always in that
0: conversation as well.
2: And same thing with both of those teams. Like, how much does this star running back really move the needle? It does. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to move the needle wherever he goes. But at the same time, JT is a player that needs volume. And how yep. much volume is he going to get in Buffalo or Kansas City? Especially when They have they have other good options. Like, I think James Cook is going to have a good year this year. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a good running back. Jarek McKinnon scored nine uh, receiving touchdowns last week. I mean, last year, sorry. Um, so they have talent in the backfield. They obviously both have top-top quarterbacks. So we talked about this last night as well. Like a team like Miami, That's to me, of... would be more enticing because that offense is so much fun to watch. Mike McDaniel comes from the Kyle Shanahan 49ers tree, so he is in love with running backs, absolutely love running backs. Maybe they don't commit to one as much as people, especially in the fantasy football world, would hope they do. But uh, Mike McDaniel knows how to scheme running backs. I mean, he had productive years last year from Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who have seen better days and aren't necessarily elite talents anyway. So, what could he do with a player like Jonathan Taylor, especially with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the outside and the, the accuracy that Tua Tagovailoa possesses? Like a team like that, to me, is just like okay, that could be a whole lot of fun. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's some others that it makes sense. But honestly, like the way that the running back position has kind of been devalued, like teams aren't really looking to take a big swing at running back. Um, some of them have uh, the jets surprisingly signed Dalvin cook, which still doesn't make much sense to me. So it, it could be anywhere. I mean, the, the options are fully open. Having a, an elite running back or a star running back already does not keep teams safe from getting another running back. I mean, like I said, the jets just did this, but if I had to like airdrop him into an offense, into a specific spot, Miami just, seems to make the most sense
0: so uh based on your tone Dalvin Cook to the Jets didn't really move the needle for you
2: it doesn't make sense to me really I, Bre- okay, you are, I you're
0: a, are you a Brees Hall fan and they still have Michael
2: Carter huge, they have they have a, a decent yeah, running back room I'm a huge Brees Hall fan I think Brees Hall could be a top five running back within the next couple of years undoubtedly so from the sense of him coming back from the ACL injury I do understand that because Dalvin is a player that if Brees Hall does need that tune-up time and he needs a minute to get back to a full workload, yes, Dalvin Cook, we know, unequivocally can handle that workload and 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 do it at an all-pro, pro-bowl level. But like you said, they got Michael Carter, who is fine. Uh, he's a good receiving back. He's been productive. That I mean it's on of a night last year for them when they had injuries <laughs> yeah. after Brees Hall. Had productive 100-yard performances. So, like, this has been an offense where you – and I know it's a different O.C. this year with Nathaniel Hackett, but – It's been an offense where you can kind of just plug and play running backs and they have success. So 8.6 million to Dalvin at the max, I think that's with incentives. It's 8.6 million. I don't really get it. I mean, does it make them more dynamic and more – Difficult to defend, in a sense, yes, but I don't think it's a massive needle mover.
0: And you didn't even mention Israel Abanaconda. I know I'm getting way into the weeds yeah. here, but he broke no, no.
2: he broke Tony Dorsett's record for for
0: uh, single game rushing yards when he was at Pitt. I mean, this and he's had a good preseason.
2: Two touchdowns, yeah. Izzy's he's had two touchdowns in the preseason already? Uh, yeah, Israel Abanaconda. That's a tough one. Yeah, uh, is a, is a good running back. I think he had what six touchdowns in a game last year at Pitt, yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Super productive collegiate player built like an absolute brick wall and has already been productive in the preseason. So, to me, it just didn't make much sense.
0: Now, uh, real quick, though, before I let you go, the Jonathan Taylor thing is so strange, though, because they're asking for a first-round pick. They don't value him enough to pay him, but they, they value him enough to make sure they don't get shortchanged in the trade. I, it, it, the running back value conversation is just so so shaky. So It's on shaky ground. It's strange how they go about – Sort of the, these conversations with other teams if they're going to trade these guys, but they won't pay them the money that they may be owed.
2: Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't equate at all. Um, and I don't know which team in their right mind would pay a first round pick for Jonathan Taylor if they've seen the right. video of him walking around at practice.
0: He, <laughs> yeah, that that video you showed me and it he does he not look uh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's been it ankle and back and a lot of different things this offseason that have been rumored to be wrong with him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I don't see the first-round value. I think maybe a second-rounder, uh, probably a second-rounder is where I would land on that, uh, and anything higher. I just don't I just don't see it being what – what does JT have left on his contract? One year? Wh- one year, ahead, one year like, and
0: then the option.
2: Then the, then the option. So, yeah, I mean, like, what's the point of giving a first-round pick for a guy you could potentially, if injuries keep derailing him as they have, that you're going to let go anyway? I mean, he has a ton of mileage. Yeah, uh, at, he had a ton of mileage <laughs> from Wisconsin, Wisconsin too. in college. Yeah,
0: yeah for
2: sure. And so, yeah, first round picks a little crazy, but Jim Irsay is a—he's uh, a wild card. Yeah, no one ever accused him of not being crazy. They did not. <laughs> yes,
0: but Christian appreciate it, man. Thanks for hopping on. We'll do it again next appreciate week.
2: It. See y'all next week.
0: Yes, sir. That's Christian Fowler, senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media. You can hear our podcast on the Bluff Pod wherever you get them. YouTube is where you can find the full length video version, and then Apple and Spotify as Well, now it's time to hop into the blitz. I'll give you my takeaways from week two of the preseason. And Greg Sankey has spoken up. He he has made his feelings known about what he thinks needs to happen with the 12-team playoff that we're going to transition to next year. And he feels it needs to be uh, looked at again. The circumstances have changed, according to Greg Sankey. But that's all next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. (coughs) We all have disasters in our life, and when you have those disasters, you need someone to respond in that time of need, and there's no one better to do that than Service Master by Cornerstone. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but don't just call them because they are the largest. Call them because they've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Restore franchise in the United States of America. Whether you have water damage, you need mold remediation, if you have a fire and there's smoke damage, call Service Master by Cornerstone. No matter the place, no matter the size. They are here to help with the damage. Whether it's your home, residential properties that you own, or the office, they will be there. Tyler and his team. Tyler's the president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone. They take so much pride in what they do. They are here to help you at these moments. Their motto is we don't pray for disaster. We just pray we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated, Service Master by Cornerstone. And because they respond so well in your time of need, whether it be your home, residential properties, or office... Their number's easy. 901 Respond. 901-R-E-S-P-O-N-D. 901 Respond for Service Master by Cornerstone. Now, we're live from the Service Master by Cornerstone studios, and it's time to hop into the Blitz. Now, the biggest stories overloading the line a bull rush
1: of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM
0: ESPN, Memphis's sports station. And always remember that the Blitz is
3: brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Brad, what you got for me? Well, it's a bull rush of info as we start the Blitz. Of course. G- glad to be here on the show for a, a, of you know, a guest here. Yes. Uh, we're mixing things up. Uh, let's go to the NFL. And, uh, you know, we kind of got through it last night. An exciting week, too, with the Redskins. I should say the Washington Commanders. Commanders. And maybe they'll get a new Although name. Although
0: Josh Harris has been calling them. The, I don't know if you read that report, but Josh Harris yeah. and the new managing mm-hmm. group has been calling them the Redskins. Yeah, well,
3: it's, which indicates... Will they? Because they're talking about getting rid of the Commanders. Would they flip back to that? I if that's don't what? think that that would be
0: in the best <laughs> PCs, interest. that PC police ain't going to get
3: down with that. <laughs> I don't think that would be the uh, best interest. Just
0: your takeaway week two, Gabe. Um, One, the Ravens' preseason win streak being snapped. I already talked about it. But being snapped at 24, that was something in itself. Yeah. I mean, that was, fun. that was fun. Was it
3: 24? <laughs>
0: 24. God. 24. They take pride. And I'll say this. As much as the Commanders wanted to act beforehand, try to, uh, you know, yeah. Save face. It was Sam Cosme, their, one of their guards, talking about uh, snapping that streak and how stupid of a streak it yeah. was, and they shouldn't take pride in it. It seemed like the commanders and that crowd took pride in yeah, snapping that streak. Yeah. Yes. Um, one, we did have a situation unfold in Pats Packers. Isaiah Bolden went down with a neck injury, and play got suspended. Yeah. They, they didn't play the rest of the game. It was in the fourth quarter, 10 minutes left. They stopped playing. Malik Heath. Mississippi State, Yep. State. Uh, he, he caught a ball over the middle, friendly yeah. fire with his head down, Isaiah Bolden, but he is awake, he is alert, and he's out of the hospital. Uh, I, I think also today and tomorrow, the Pats were supposed to have a, a joint practice with the Titans. Those have been canceled.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit
0: ads.odyssey.com.
3: So, Is that I, a heat thing? I, no, no.
0: It's, I think it's because of the, the injury. That's, wow. that's what I read, but um, that was scary. Now, Isaiah Bolden's okay. That's 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 the that's the important part. That's the important part. Um now we also have over the weekend the Steelers really showed me something. They showed me something in a big way. One, Steelers uh edge, he was picked in the fourth round out of Wisconsin, Nick Herbig. He's gonna add to what they have already. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith have their extensions Mm -hmm. long term. Nick Herbig. I mean, your eyes could have told you he had 11 half sacks his final year at Wisconsin. Your eyes could have told you that this guy was going to be very, very good. T.J. Watt, same thing when he was coming out of Wisconsin. I mean, like, there there was some reasons to believe that these guys that come off the edge in Wisconsin are good, but he had a sack this week. He's a stud, and he was great against the run. He was fantastic. And also, I look at this uh, Steelers offense this year. I have higher hopes. I don't know about you. I don't know about I you, do. but Kenny I, Pickett. They got weapons. Kenny Pickett, yes. you got George Pickens. Yeah, they got a lot of weapons. You you look also yeah. on the other side with Deontay Johnson. You have a a, a good gadget guy and a speedster and Calvin Austin yep. III. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they are loaded yep. back up. And Najee Harris is good. Their O line's improved. But Kenny Pickett, so far in the preseason, 149.1 QB rating, 113 yards, 9 for 11 passing, 2 TDs, 0 INTs, 81.8% is what he's completing right now, and 10 yards per attempt. I'm not saying I think that Kenny Pickett's some ridiculously talented player when it comes to being a quarterback in the NFL, but I think he can keep you on pace, and I think he's got some game that, that the Steelers could absolutely use. And the Steelers, man, they still haven't had that losing record. And I think that this year, I know it's a tough division, Mm -hmm. But I I have a feeling defensively, offensively, I feel like they're all going to come together and they could really press for the
3: AFC North this year. They're going to surprise some folks. I'm telling you. What do you see out west in that Niners, Rams? What do you see happening out
0: there? Seahawks. That's the team I'm looking at. You like the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. Not the Niners. I like the Niners as well, but I I still, as much as I – as much as I like what I saw from Brock Purdy last year, that was five games starting. I understand he was five and zero, but like I, I just I, I, I've said this on the show. I, I feel as if you have a Mr. irrelevant at quarterback, and that's who I mean, what did Kyle Shanahan say? He's gonna have to melt for him yeah. to not start this year. That's a starter. That does concern me. This is a Mr. Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And I know he's got a bunch of weapons on the outside, and that's really what made him last year. That's why he was 5-0, and and I think he had 13 D- TDs to four <laughs> right. INTs when he was in there. But I think uh, uh, ultimately I don't know how much they have at that quarterback position long-term. I mean, we're talking about a 17-week season. Yes. You're going to have to be careful there. And I, just, I, 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 I'm, I am not as sold on the 49ers as I have been in the past, Mm -hmm. just because Brock Purdy's going to have to continue to show me, He's only started five games. I mean, I need more of a sample size to really buy into Brock Purdy as a quarterback in that division. And I look at the Seahawks. And Geno Smith is good. Mm-hmm. That wide receiver core is arguably best in the NFL right now. Jackson Smith and Jigma is going to be yeah. great. DK Metcalf is awesome. Tyler Lockett is great. And I think they all have different skill sets. Tyler Lockett's the guy that can come out of the slot and uh, find, it, pick out zones, be a smart wide receiver. Yeah. DK Metcalf can take the top off, and he's so damn strong. Jackson Smith and Jigma, yeah. best of both worlds. So I think that that wide receiver core is great. And... Defensively, I think they're going to be improved. I look at that secondary. Jamal Adams has been an All-Pro. Um, you you have a a, a first-round cornerback right now in mm-hmm. uh, uh, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, yeah. who, who should be he's solid in year good. one. Yeah. I mean, he's long. He, yeah, he's he can, good. He, he can cover in man. Um, and then Tariq Woolen was second-team All-Pro last oh. year. Like that secondary looks a lot better. That defense looks a lot better. The Seahawks, I think, will surprise some folks.
3: You like Detroit uh, in that division? Yeah. Or do you like- I, I do. You were really high on Detroit last time I talked to you. I do. Um,
0: I do think that there is, and I, I've heard Dan Campbell speak to this, right? There is a lot of expectation placed on the shoulders of the Detroit Lions this year, and that scares me, right? Because <laughs> they're the Detroit Lions! <laughs> and last year the Vikings were 13-4. and four. Yeah. As much as good, I don't yeah. really that's, necessarily like them, about. and I think their defense is no good, Yeah. I think that the, the – I mean, for them to be – I think plus two fifty to win that division mm-hmm. and like I, I think the Lions are plus one forty. I feel like that's the too, favorite. I feel like that's too big of a yeah. gap there. But the, the expectations are being placed on the Lions' shoulders, how can they handle that now? Now I know they want eight of ten Uh, To end the year last year, but like, how are they going to be able to handle that? They were essentially a playoff
3: team by the end of the year. I know they didn't make the playoffs, and they had that game at Green Bay. They won, but it felt like they were a playoff team by the end of the year.
0: Yes, it did. It did. Even
3: though Seattle went, you know, but they're the
0: Detroit Lions, and I
3: just, I just get nervous. Detroit Lions having expectations. Makes me a little bit wary. I think the same thing about the Jets. I have to forget their name is the Jets and watch Hard Knocks tonight and remember how awesome they are in that division.
0: Yeah, and uh, another thing here. This is this is my final takeaway from uh, week the, two of the, pre- the preseason. Preseason takeaways. <laughs> the Raiders are going to stink this year. I, that's that, everybody knows that. I yep. don't think they're going to be any good. And Josh Jacobs may be back. We we There's learned that yesterday. Coming. Aiden O'Connell. How, come on now. He's not bad. He's been very solid in the preseason. I, I, did you see him this week? Eleven yes. for 18, 163, sixty-three, two TDs, zero ints. Week one he was very solid as well. I, I'm not saying that he's going to be the quarterback of the future or he needs to be some, uh, you know, franchise guy. But he's showing me something that I think could be, you know, it could help him last. In the NFL, he spreads the ball around. He's kind of got a noodle arm in a lot of ways, Aiden yeah. O'Connor, but he's pretty accurate. And I've been impressed so far with what he's shown in Raiders uniform. But so Garoppolo's—he's right, right? Yeah, no, he's—he's he's healthy from what I understand. So he's going to start. A week. He's going to start, but like Aiden O'Connell, I mean, I don't know. By the end of the year, when they st- when they inevitably are no good, right. you sort of wonder if they try to give Aiden O'Connell a couple of starting reps to see if he can uh, he, he can take over eventually. Because Hi, I, yeah. it, all, he's the highest as, graded quarterback of the preseason. That's what I'm saying. As much as I as much as I think Jimmy G's a solid quarterback, he is a placeholder for yeah. the Raiders. This is not a guy that you want to go you know three, four, five years from now and have him still no. be your starting quarterback. <laughs> you no, need I'm, someone I'm yeah. you need someone to develop and maybe Aiden O'Connell's that guy. He's watched, been he's been gore- he's been playing really gorgeous
3: ball. I haven't watched much Raiders. I know they got rid of the tight end. Uh, where is he? Is he a giant? Waller, he's a yeah, giant. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was the giant. Giants should be solid too. Giants look really good there. What about uh, the dude from Clemson? Uh have they traded uh their, their other uh, edge receiver guy that they put in the slot for the for the Raiders. The little kid from the Clemson. Sl- from the Clemson. Oh, Hunter Renfro, no. he's, he's, he's still, still the- around. He's still around. All right.
0: Yeah, They're thin. Yeah, of course they really are. Really thin. Of course He'll they are. they will get traded. And I, I, I think that for most Raiders fans, this is a year where you want to stink really badly. Right. And and I've heard John talk about this, John Martin. Caleb Williams is a reason for a season. Um, I You want to be as bad as you possibly can, so Josh McDaniels is out the door. Mm-hmm. You can hire a new coach, and you can get a high draft pick. That's what you want. But I... I I don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll see. We'll see. But Aiden O'Connell's been
3: impressive. That that's the, yes. <laughs> that's what, the point I uh, wanted to get across. Quarterback. Yes. That's what I wanted to get across. Let's get to college cross. football here. Gabe. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey spoke on thoughts regarding the 12-team playoff. That's now uh, that the Pac-12 is folded, kind of changes things. He said, "Quote: The circumstances have changed, and we need to reconsider the format. I'm not convinced we need to re- reconsider the number of teams. And I've been clear that I would have been okay with an eight-team playoff." with no conference champion access. That wasn't, if you will, politically... workable within the group. So as we continued to look at the models, a lot, of, a lot of coach speak here. Yes. We came up with the six and six model, but again, the circumstances have changed in a meaningful way. And my inclination, this is Greg Sankey speaking, is we need to re-examine the current format. He wants to change and at least re-examine it, Gabe. Yeah. This means that he wants the top 12 teams at large.
0: And I get it. I, I think that Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the big tens, probably right there with them. Cause they'd get the most teams in yep. inevitably. Um, but per, this maybe twelve. <laughs> but what this does, but what this does is immediately cuts off group of five access. Right. Gone. Gone. Now I, I realized that the first time around when they agreed to this, when they agreed to this, this was okay, we'll give the group of five one team, one little bit of access because we want more money. <laughs> <In> the <long laughs> yeah. Now they're gonna get the We're best of the both money. worlds, it feels like. Yeah. I, I, here's the end of the day. Right now, in the Big Ten, they're making eighty to hundred million per year per team. And Tony Petiti knows the power that holds for a media rights deal. In the SEC, they're making $70 million to $80 million per year. Greg Sankey knows the power that holds. Next in line there is basically the Big 12 or the ACC at $30 million per year. They know how much power they have in the grand scheme of college football and where we're headed. So they are going to flex their muscles, and inevitably this is going to be the top 12 teams getting in At large, no automatic qualifiers. I don't think Greg Sankey ever wanted automatic qualifiers. But what this does for me is I've always talked about the end result of haves playing their own championships, have-nots playing their own championships, and that's the power conferences playing their own one and the group of five playing their own one, and it's sort of separated. Mm -hmm. I feel like this can expedite the process. Because I'm not sure that any group of five teams gonna get in. Like, how many times you're gonna be able to capitalize off a team like Cincinnati a couple of years ago? How many times you're gonna be able to get that done? It's tough. At this point, it's tough. you're you're not gonna have that access. Damn. And I, I I just I feel like this is going to move us quicker. In the
3: direction where I think a lot of people think we're headed. Well, and you're not getting matchups in the group of five that prove that you are in this in this number yeah. twelve. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna, you're not in any those power. You're not going to be
0: able to show that you're in that realm. No. And, and all, honestly, if you look around the country, I think a lot of these power five schools are a lot more wary of scheduling the top of the group yeah. of five. Like Memphis can't get a home at home these days. Right. They can't get like it's hard to, like Ole no. Miss, Mississippi State, Mizzou. We saw Mizzou. Yep. They don't want to play that game anymore. They're cutting those off. So you're. Not getting the opportunities to prove yourself mm-hmm. in those massive matchups, to your point, and I, I yeah, I know where this is headed. I, uh, I think everyone should expect the worst when it comes to where the 12-team playoff is headed. Yeah!
3: All right, let's go to the NBA, specifically the Grizzlies and the uh, Ja Morant story that has kind of been one of our big Grizzlies summer stories, but it's come full circle now as T. Morant has spoke. Uh, on Ja over the weekend at a basketball camp in New Orleans, one of these elite camps. Camps. Here's the quote: My son Ja didn't get in trouble because of people around him. He got in trouble because of his decisions.
0: Now we can talk a, a bunch about if the people around him could have stopped these things in the moment, but here's here's the truth of it, and we've said it the whole time. Ja is the breadwinner for his situation. He gets to call the shots, and T. Morant is right on. I mean, he's dead correct. And I've said this the entire time. Everybody wants to talk about Memphis, the city of Memphis, leading him down a wrong path. Everyone wants to talk about T. Morant not stepping in, his family not stepping in, Devontae Pack not stepping in and being a voice of reason. But in the end of the day, John Morant gets to control John Morant, and John Morant has put himself in this situation. And I've been trying to push that the entire time, but it feels like there's a lot of people around the country that speak on this matter that think differently. Uh, But
3: hearing T. Morant say it, he's – I mean, it it, it it hits different. It, it feels it felt, different. It felt good. It felt like the right thing to say that we haven't heard yet. That's yes. the first time we've heard anything on this. Besides, stuff. on these airways, well, we've yeah, been the, I, think, I think most heads. people have, yeah. uh, at least in right. this city. But we didn't know that anybody in Ja's camp had a feeling of where where are we going with this? And this is the first time we go. Whoa, Dad is putting all the accountability on Ja. It's as good. he should, as he should, and it's it's refreshing.
0: Yes, yes, and now the hope is Ja, after these twenty five games comes back Ugh. figures it all out, puts it on his shoulders to be better um I'm and here we can from, move into the future
3: I've heard from various people as we all have that things are good, yeah. you know that we're i mean we've had a whole summer now well,
0: you know? there does come a point with Ja. it's like if you're not going to learn from this situation, when are you going to learn you, right, and I think that this is the this is the sort of a, a relative drop dead point of. Yeah, if you don't get it now, you're never going to get right. it. And I think he, I think, I think, I have a hunch that he will understand the error of his ways and come back uh, in a better way for it. So right. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. He's uh, going to come back on TNT versus the Pelicans,
3: though, in game I Saw that the,
0: the
3: uh, schedule kind of plays out interesting there. It's I a do. Road I game. do.
0: The, the NBA is so funny, though. The NBA is hilarious. As soon as he's eligible, with the, he's with on the, TNT. Yeah. The, the, the and I TV don't even schedule. know if he's gonna be back for that game necessarily, but they knew what they were doing, putting him on TNT, the de- the twenty sixth game of the year. They're like TNT at the Pelicans, perfect. Yeah, I love it. Go ball out against the Pelicans on national. Yeah, TV. but they didn't give him Christmas Day game.
3: It's just that's it, fine. They,
0: they know, but they I know it's fine. But they know they they knew what they but were. They doing get with 13 the schedule.
3: national games. Yeah, yeah, still pretty good. Still pretty good. Decent. Yeah, it's a step back though. Yeah. You know my saying, right? What is your oh yeah, is it is it yeah. in the hand? Yeah, with oh, the poopy yeah, 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 with the poopy. It's the poopy in the hand <laughs> quote, right? Yes. I know Jeff is
0: Don't hey if you if you if you if I pat you on the on the backside, don't don't defecate in my hand. Don't poopy in my hand. And that's what they did last year with those AT show? This is kind, of, this kind of material games. that got
3: you the show. Those kind of quotes. Yes. I, I aim to deliver. I aim to, you to are, make. You're a yes. straight, you are you straight out
0: deliver every day, Gabe Kuhn. Yes. Well, I, I hope I delivered. Yeah. But that'll do it for the Blitz. We have one more segment left of the day. That's going to be the Rewind when we return on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now it's the Rewind. Now
1: we play a
2: battle Rewind.
0: Brought to you by Memphis
1: Barbecue Company. Rewind on
0: 92.9. The Ravens' 24-game preseason win streak is snapped. That's an NFL record. And uh, that was sort of, it was some playoff intensity last night in D.C. It was good. I enjoyed the game last night. The commanders got into it. Yeah. Joey Sly's field goal got the commanders over top 29 28. I did get a kick out of all the commanders at camp practices talking about how they didn't care about the streak, but they seemed to care when when the
3: time came to care. Um, Hold up. Did you catch the managing partner in the handshake with Joe Buck moment? That was so bad. Like like he was drunk or something in the press box or in the, you know, watching the game? That was so bad. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was so, so awkward. awkward. He <laughs> left it hanging and like Joe was just talking with his hands. Oh it was my crazy. god, Josh Harris. That was I mean,
0: Joe was talking uh, with his hands like he normally he does it. when the camera's yeah. on and he grabbed it and shaked it. Hey, did you I love I love I love seeing Troy Aikman's response. Oh, the He couldn't wipe the that smile off his face. Yeah. Now elsewhere, college football week zero will come along and distract us from all these different conversations with realignment. Um, But in the meantime, something to monitor is SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey telling the press that the 12-team college football playoff format needs to be re-examined, with the Pac-12 folding in on itself. If you'll remember, he was a proponent of eight teams and no automatic qualifiers. We ended up landing on 12, six automatic qualifiers, six at-larges. Count on him using this opportunity to push 12 at-larges out there, leaving the group of five in the access. Out. That's the truth of it. I think that's what will happen. Follow the money in college football, and you usually find the future and answers. This will be an ongoing storyline that we will follow, though. Guess why today, Jeff Coggins was at five. Christian Fowler was at six. If you want to listen to the whole show, download the Odyssey app, search 9290 ESPN. What's the
1: biggest game
3: tonight? Presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Okay, biggest game tonight, we're going to go to baseball. game later, and it's two first-place teams. One, the Twins are in the AL Central. They're in first place. Over here in the NL Central... It's a really sad time for us Cardinals fans. I've given up, though. I know. I'm at peace. Are you comfortable now? now? Yeah, I'm Because we're in football, so we're kind of yes. moving on. Makes it easier. They're in last place at 55 and 71, even though Mason Wynn and all the rookies are playing. The Brewers are the team that's playing, the Twins tonight. Uh, and they're favored. Actually, they're not favored. Twins are favored. They're, they're a really good team. Uh, twins with Ober and Brewers throwing Miley out there. Uh, that's uh, a little bit later on here. Who do you got in the uh, Brewers-Twins matchup? Give me matchup. the Brewers. Give me the underdog. Okay, there you go.
0: Fast forward. Fast forward. Ty Richardson tomorrow on SEC and. College Football nice. Week Zero, Hard Knocks Episode 3 is on the way, and on that same note, it's a big day for me. I, big yes. day for everybody. The four-part docuseries on the Urban Meyer Florida Gators Swamp Kings released today. So with all that, I am uh tonight is going to be Are a big night. All I'm, one going to, I'm going to probably binge all these sports docu series in one yeah. setting. It's going to be fun. Nice. But that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Jeff Calkins and Christian Fowler for their contributions to today's show. We'll meet back here at the same time tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and pass you off to Joe and Amber. For Connor, for Brad, I'm Gabe. Be easy, be safe, and enjoy the rest of your night.
1: WMFS-FM and hd one Bartlett, WMFS Memphis, celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say Play 92.9 ESPN. All 650 acquisition D 30,000 miles, 20 cents excess mileage, Forte PE 659,993, MSRP 22540, Nero P5015237, MSRP 41,390, EV6 P5603393, MSRP 50,200, includes all rebates and incentives from finance through Hyundai, excludes tax and license with approved credits, see dealer for details, offer valid through 9523, dealer stock only, warranties, a limited powertrain warranty, see or retailer for details. I got Jeff Allen on the line. Hey, what's the scoop over there at Gossip Kia South? Mount Mariah,
2: Randy, we got deals everyone wants. How about 41 mpg highway, 2023 Kia Forte LXS, two forty nine a month, twenty nine ninety nine due at signing.
1: Hey Jeff, give me some EV
2: scoop. 2023 Nero EV Wind, two hundred fifty three miles of EPA estimated range, two ninety two a month, and a 2023 Kia EV6 Wind with up to one hundred thirty four city, one hundred one highway MPGe, only four twenty five a month, both forty nine ninety nine due at signing, all thirty six month lease, and Kia's ten tenure- year thousand mile
1: powertrain limited
2: warranty to boot. So whether you live in Horn Lake, South Haven, Olive Branch, or Memphis, you'll be happy, happy at Gosset Key on Mount Moriah.
1: 2680 Mount Moriah or keyofmountmariah.com.
2: Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and right now new customers to FanDuel get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that's right all you got to do sign up for FanDuel use promo code Calkins C-A-L-K-I-N-S place a $5 bet and you will get $200 in
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours